0: Democrats oppose yet again a bill that would protect babies who survive abortions as well as a resolution passed in the House condemning the violent attacks on pro life pregnancy centers. It's not a surprise at this point, but I've got a response to all of that. And then we've got a very encouraging conversation with author Erica Anderson about the church, why the local church is necessary, and why the church in particular needs women and why women need the local church. You'll love that conversation. Thanks so much for joining and happy Thursday. Okay, y'all, you've almost made it through the week. This is like the first week that the year really started. All your resolutions, all your goals, all that stuff. It really started this week. Or if it didn't start for you this week, it can always start next week, or I can start tomorrow. God's mercies are new every morning, like we talked about on Monday. All right. To close this week, we're going to have a very encouraging interview, as I said in the intro at the end of this with Erica Anderson about the importance of going to church. Maybe that's a resolution that you have. Maybe you're like, this year is the year that I go back to church, that I start tithing, that I become a member of a local gospel preaching church. We're going to talk about that how to do that, what that looks like and why it is so important, especially for you moms out there to make sure that you are plugged into a local church. But first I wanna talk about this abortion stuff that happened this week on the House floor. Um, there was an abortion bill that was voted on and passed in the House yesterday on Wednesday. It's H.R. 26, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. This is not the first time uh, that this that this bill has been voted on. We've talked about this several times in the past. There was a Senate bill that was put forth by Ben Sass, I believe it was maybe 2019 that said the same thing. Based Basically, That doctors have to exercise the same degree of care as would, this is what the bill says, reasonably be provided to any other child born alive at the same gestational age and ensure the child is immediately admitted to a hospital. Additionally, a healthcare practitioner or other employee who has knowledge of a failure to comply with the degree of care requirements must immediately report such failure to law enforcement. A healthcare provider, a practitioner who fails to provide the required degree of care or a healthcare practitioner or other employee who fails to report such failure is subject to criminal penalties, a fine up to five years in prison or both. An individual who intentionally kills or attempts to kill a child born alive is subject to prosecution for murder. The bill bars the criminal prosecution of a mother of a child born alive under this bill and allows her to bring a civil action against a health care practitioner or other employee for violation. So here we are talking about a child who survives an abortion saying that, hey, this, this abortionist, these so-called health care providers that are involved in this abortion, if that child survives your attempt to murder him or her, you must provide that child health care. And you might say, well, isn't a bill like this unnecessary? Isn't that already required? No, it's not already required. When I was giving my testimony for the pro-life side on the House floor in 2019, I read story after story of women who went to get an abortion, usually a pretty late term abortion, where the child survived. The child was struggling for breath, was uh, writhing in pain was wiggling and taking its dying breaths. And the mothers seeing their child alive, begged the doctors, please save my child, please do something. And they did nothing. Those doctors, those providers did nothing. In some cases, the child was literally put in a waste bucket and thrown away like trash. There was a terrible story of a nurse who used to help abortion. She went into a closet, like a janitor's closet, where there were babies, some as old as 24 weeks old, um, who had survived abortions and were literally put in there to die. There was a little child that she held in her hands who was aborted because he had Down syndrome and he took his dying, shaking breaths in her arms. These are not exaggerations. These are not fables. These are not tactics for emotional manipulation. This happens every year in this country where babies are born alive. Kermit Gosnell, you don't know who he is. Look him up. Look up Leroy Carhart. Again, these are not just tales that we pro-lifers tell you to try to guilt you into being pro-life. I'm telling you the reality of abortion. And even when that is not the case, when the baby doesn't survive outside the womb, the only difference between the baby outside of the womb and the baby inside the womb is time and location. There's no difference. And so even if the baby is only alive inside the womb, that baby is still being poisoned or dismembered, brutally, violently murdered in some way. And so Republicans are are not even in this bill restricting abortion in any way. They are simply saying, hey, if that baby survives and is outside the womb, you got to do something about it to help that child. And Democrats said no. Every Democrat except for two said no. Doctors should not be required to provide a living, breathing child outside the womb with help. Remember um, the Democrat governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, how he said on a radio show that it should be up to the doctor and the parents if a baby survives an abortion what to do with that child, that you make that child comfortable as you decide what to do. That's murder. That's murder. All right. And so if you are supporting the side who is vehemently and totally unabashedly, unapologetically supporting the murder of unborn children and the murder and the negligence toward born children, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's no excuse for that. I'm going to play you a couple clips in just a second of Democrats defending this, calling this an extremist bill, and then I've got some criticism for Republicans as well. But first, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. That is Naturally It's Clean. So I am getting messages from you guys all the time saying, "Hey, what's that cleaning company that you're promoting that you say takes all the stains out of your carpets and out of your shirts and makes your stainless steel appliances look amazing?" It's Naturally It's Clean. I love this company because I love their products. They Provide effective cleaning products using powerful plant-based enzymes. These are hospital-grade solutions, so they really work, but they don't reek of nasty chemicals. They've got Uh, Specialized formulas for every area of the home. Like I said, I love the carpet cleaner, the multi surface cleaner, also love the stain remover for all of our clothes. You moms know how often you use those stain removers. And I love that it is safer for my family, for my home, than the typical standard. Um, cleaning products because their ingredients are so natural. Everything is made in America. They offer free shipping on all cleaning kits. If you go to naturally it's clean.com slash alley, you can see the products that I love the most. You can get an additional 15% off your order. Naturally it's clean.com slash alley for 50 15% off. Naturally it's clean.com slash alley. Here is Sheila Jackson Lee. Sheila Jackson Lee is a Democrat representative from Houston. She has represented Houston for a very long time, who I guess is very glad about the disproportionate rate of black babies who are aborted every year. Instead of doing anything to make it easier for these women to keep their children, she is ensuring that these women... um, have access to the murder of their children and here she is defending that when it comes to the debate on this bill i know that this is a most personal decision and one that families do not want to make but as a person of faith i believe it should be that woman that family that god and that doctor as a person of faith what faith is it what faith is it? I'm guessing she believes that she is a Christian. What faith is it in, if it, if it is um supposedly Christian faith that informs your view that killing the life of an innocent person, taking the life of an innocent person is a personal choice? Is taking the life of an innocent person outside the womb just a personal choice between those two people and God? No, we think that the law should be involved there. We tend to believe that human beings have human rights, right? I mean, and these rights exist to protect everyone, but in particular, the most vulnerable. And when those rights are infringed upon, most fundamentally, the right to life, we believe that the law should step in and then punish the person who is taking the life of that person. So why does that not apply to human beings who just happen to be inside of the womb and certainly human beings who are outside of the womb by a few seconds? I promise you that the Christian faith does not defend that. You are deluding yourself, just like Hakeem Jeffries yesterday was deluding himself. And God will not be mocked, as Galatians 6 says. I promise you that one day there will be vengeance for the blood of the infants that have been murdered by abortion. Do not be on the wrong side of that, Christian. Here is another um, pro-choice Christian she says, a Democrat, let's see, from the, from the state of Michigan. Now, pro-choice Christian is an oxymoron. You can be um, wrong about many things as a Christian. I've been wrong as, by, about many things as a Christian. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a Christian, but it does mean that you will eventually, if you are a true Christian, be sanctified out of your support for illegal abortion. Um, Hillary Shulton, if she is a true Christian from Michigan, she um, has not yet reached that point in her sanctification. I pray that she does. But here is her convoluted justification of supporting legal abortion as a Christian. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. And further, when I read the scripture... I turn to passages and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah 1, verses 5, which states, I knew you before I formed you and I placed you in your mother's womb. Doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says the mother's. Am I allowed to say, am I allowed to say that she's an idiot? I mean, okay, let me say that that is idiotic. She's probably not an idiot. Like, she's probably actually very smart. But I mean, I don't know if I were a so-called pro-choice Christian, I think I would just be avoiding Jeremiah 1.5 and pretending like it doesn't exist. But she actually uses this verse, which categorically shows that God cares and purposely ordains life inside the womb to then justify the legalization of the dismemberment of that child. Girl, remember Do not be on the wrong side of God who will come in vengeance for the blood of the infants who have been slaughtered in this country and everywhere. It makes me shudder to think of that. I'm so glad that we have a God who is storing up wrath. I am so glad that we have a God who, according to Psalm 37, will do something about the evil and the wickedness of this world. And only by grace through faith can any of us be on the right side. It's not our politics. It's not our ideological stances. It's not our opinions that puts us on the right side. It's only Christ who puts us on the right side. But Christ sanctifies our heart and our mind so that we are in alignment with God's truth. You are either not a Christian or you are not in the point of your sanctification yet where you have been able to see the truth of the wickedness that you are supporting that has an eternal impact. All right, we don't have very much time. I I also wanted to point out this clip by Ayanna Presley, who is also a Democratic representative because there were this there was this other bill or resolution that was passed in the House and it was titled Expressing the Sense of Congress Con Expressing the Sense of Congress Condemning the Recent Attacks on Pro-Life Facilities groups and churches? Is that really what it's called? That's interesting. So the resolution detailed 35 attacks on pro-life facilities groups and churches since May 2, 2022. The Dobbs leak. By the way, who leaked the Dobbs decision? Interesting that we still don't know that. Um, It says, whereas the Biden administration has failed to take action to respond to the radical attacks on pro-life facilities groups and churches or to protect the rights of these organizations and whereas these attacks on pro-life facilities groups and churches have included vandalism and so it's asking the Biden administration to do something about that. Interesting that they've done nothing. That's because our DOJ is completely ideological, completely political. The same people who say that they care about fascism apparently have nothing to say about the fascistic methods of our so-called justice Um, department. You guys know how much these pro-life facilities do to actually give women a choice and to provide them the safety and security and the resources to choose life for their children, the most loving and supportive and incredible and God glorifying places, I think, in this country. And here's what Democrat Ayanna Presley has to say about them.
1: Let me make it plain. Crisis pregnancy centers are no place to go to for reproductive health care. They
0: are sham clinics that coerce folks seeking to terminate a pregnancy or to access the full range Speaker, of reproductive yielding, health services. Another minute. Ayanna, have you ever been in one? Serious question. Have you ever been in a pro-life pregnancy center? Have you ever talked to a woman in crisis who was served by a pro-life pregnancy center? Have you ever talked to someone whose life was saved because their mother walked into a pro-life pregnancy center? Have you ever talked to a woman who was given refuge, who was given a home, a safe place to stay? As she was running from domestic violence because of a pro life pregnancy center? Have you ever talked to a woman who got everything that she needed for her child formula, parenting classes, clothes, diapers, cribs, strollers from a pro life pregnancy center? Have you ever talked to a woman who only found hope and good news and love and acceptance for the first time through a pro life pregnancy center? Has any woman Ever gotten hope and resources and protection and parenting classes from a Planned Parenthood? Tell me. No, of course, Iona Presley is on the side of wickedness and evil, and so she has exchanged the truth of God for a lie and believes things that are the exact opposite Of the truth. And if you out there, if you have not been convinced yet about the evil of abortion and that we all need to be doing something as Christians to fight against it and to serve and help the families who find themselves with surprise pregnancies or find themselves in crisis situations, you go to your pro life pregnancy center close by. I promise you, the work that you say needs to be done is probably already being done in your community by the faithfulness of Christians who are up against lies like the ones that Ayanna Presley is, is promulgating. The work is already being done by faithful Christians, and it's time for all of us to join in and do something about it. God is moving in spite of the stupidity and the corruption and the wickedness and the bloodlust of people in Congress. Now, the one criticism that I've got of Republicans, before we close this segment out in all of this, is that I, I wonder why, maybe someone can tell me, like maybe I'm missing something, but Republicans had the White House, the House and the Senate. Was the the Why didn't the Born Alive Act pass then? And I, I genuinely wonder about that. Um, why, when we were in control of everything, could we not get the votes for that to pass? That seems like something that's important. But even if it is just to make a point, about the wickedness and the depravity of where Democrats are and the extremism of where Democrats are when it comes to abortion, I think I think that is worth it. Remember, the two sides are not the same. One literally stands for murder. Keep that in mind. All right. We're going to get into a little bit of a lighter conversation, an encouraging conversation with our friend Erica Anderson um, in just a second. But I just wanted to make sure I responded to some of that absolute craziness. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is Relief Band. So if you struggle with nausea for any reason, whether you've got morning sickness because you're in that first trimester of pregnancy or whether you're going through chemotherapy or you get motion sickness or you get sickness with anxiety and travel, but you don't want to take medication that you're afraid is going to have terrible side effects, you need to try relief band. Relief band is a band that you put on your wrist. It stimulates a nerve in your wrist that signals to your brain to then tell your stomach to stop getting nauseous. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting. And I've got a friend, she's in her first trimester, and she's using it right now, and she says that it works for her. My sister-in-law, she has had motion sickness forever. She really likes Relief Band. So try it out. No side effects, and it's a totally natural way to help you curb that nausea. So go to ReliefBand.com, use promo code Allie, and you'll receive 20 20- 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So if for whatever reason, it doesn't work for you, send it back. You get all your money back. Reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use promo code Allie for 20% off plus free shipping. Reliefband.com code Allie. Well, Erica, thank you so much for joining Relatable. This feels like it's been a long time coming. Uh, Can you tell everyone who may not know who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Erica Anderson, and I live in Indianapolis, Indiana with my two kids uh, that are four and seven. I'm a freelance writer. Um, I write for World Magazine, just like you do, Allie, yes. and uh, also Christianity Today. And I've written a couple books and one of which we're going to talk about today.
0: Yes. So reason to return why women need the church and the church Needs women. This comes at an interesting time when we seem to see a lot of people, the evangelical kind of group, the um, deconstructing. Um, crowd. And then you've also got the whole like leave loud movement over kind of social and racial justice issues. So there are a lot of movements right now kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to leave the church because of how they believe the church has treated women or kind of denigrated certain groups of people. But that's the opposite of what you're calling for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think when you're talking about those groups, the deconstruction, the exvangelicals, like so many other things, a lot of that is amplified and it's not necessarily the primary reason that we've seen people leaving. Uh, in my research, a lot of it has more to do with busyness, overwhelm, American culture just not prioritizing church so mm-hmm. much anymore. And so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect in the understanding of why people are leaving and, and in turn, mm-hmm. how we can draw them back. So I definitely think that uh, leaving church is not the way. And I dig into a lot of data about why that is, some of which you talked about um, on your show a couple of weeks ago in terms of like the generosity factor and the mental health factor. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about
0: those reasons that you found in your research. I know you just said kind of lack of time and people simply not prioritizing going to church on Sunday mornings. Why is that? It obviously used to be more of a priority in American life, but it's not now. So why the shift?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is one of the most fascinating statistics I found was a Barna statistic that said that the number one way that women want to improve their life, that they want to um, see, see movement is in their faith lives and spiritual lives. And yet in the same survey, it said that it is actually the last thing that they're prioritizing. Mm. And so there's a disconnect between what women say they want and what they're doing to actually Get that, and going to church would be a component of that. Um, But also, I would say that, as you know, church has just become—we are becoming a post-Christian culture, and so it's no longer an expected thing. It's no longer something that as many people do. It seems irrelevant to some, and so we're seeing that the shifts there and some of the um, some of the outcomes of, of that part of America affecting the Exodus.
0: And for those who say, okay, well, you know, it's not really my spiritual life that I think needs help. I actually think that I'm good with God because I have kind of a personal connection to Him. Why do I need to go to church every Sunday when, you know, God is everywhere? How do you respond to something like that?
1: Well, God is everywhere. And, you know, the the classic question is, I don't need church to be a Christian or, um, you know, I I have God. I don't need to go to church to have this relationship with God. And that's true. You don't technically have to go to church to be a Christian. I mean, if you want to get technical about it. Um, But if you're a Christian, hopefully you take the Bible seriously. And what the Bible says is that we shouldn't give up meeting together. We should spur one another on with good deeds. And Jesus says, I will build my church. He doesn't say, I will build um, you individual person, which of course we do grow in our own individual lives, but there's a strong emphasis on the church body coming directly from Jesus. And, you know, one of the verses that I was just reading the other day, it says, you know, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And so to to sort of um, disassociate or reject this church that Jesus bought with his own blood. I mean, that that doesn't seem like a great idea. But at the same time, I understand that sometimes people have been through things. Sometimes people have had bad experiences. And so I want to ask people, can you open your heart and mind to envision another um, experience of church, maybe one that's different than the one you've had in the past?
0: I live in the Bible Belt, and a lot of my listeners do too, which means there are a lot of options for churches. They are not struggling with a lack of opportunity to go to church, but it can be really overwhelming. They know, especially if they listen to the show, they've heard me say a million times, you need to find a church that is preaching God's word the whole word, unapologetically. But that's not always easy to find. And sometimes you go to a church that makes you feel good or it has good classes or resources or mission trips, but you're not really sure about what's coming from the pulpit. And you don't know really how to weigh all the different aspects of the church to say, okay, this is what's most important or this is important too. So like, how do you recommend a woman look for the right local church in her area. What should she be thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean I I actually created this little Like free course thing called How to Find a New Church 101. So I I go into that. If you if you buy the book, you can just get that course for free on my website. Um, But some of the things I talk about is you just first of all you just start with the basics. You start on a website. You, You most churches have their doctrinal statements listed on their website, and you can find a whole lot about what they believe there. And you can immediately you know, cross out some of the options that you may be thinking of. And yes, there are so many churches and places where I live, like Indiana, and where you live. And um, so it can't, it's not necessarily easy. But I have seen, like, for example, I found my church, my home church that I've been at for almost seven years, honestly, through just a local mom's Facebook board. And people are always very um, helpful in providing links. And so I got tons and tons of suggestions, Um, And I was able to look through those and you can start to filter out the ones that you don't think are going to be aligned with you. And of course, I think that the number one thing is that uh, you go to a church that preaches directly from the Bible, um, that your doctrinal statements on that website are lined up, um, that the church is involved with the community, that they're discipling members. There's a lot of different factors. Some of the things are you need to have this. Some of the things are, you want to have this. And sometimes that's a personal um, give and take, especially if you have kids and you might be looking for, you know, a church that has opportunities for them as well. Um, but it takes time. It takes intention. You, you're not going to just pick one on the map and find it. It's an important decision. And so it's worth taking the time to find the right church family.
0: Yes. And there's no perfect church. And so at some point you do kind of have to say, you know what, maybe I don't like this. I don't know. This is not true for me, but just giving an example, like a kind of not important example, like I don't like this soloist voice who sings every Sunday, or I didn't necessarily agree with what my Sunday school teacher said or different aspects like that. Like there is going to be a level of compromise but there are things on which you don't want to compromise like the doctrinal statements like the theology like the exegesis yes like involvement in community and what they offer for community as well and so it can be it can take some time but i do think it's important to after a period of trying to figure out prayerfully wisely which local church to belong to to pick one. Because I do think something that we see, especially among young people, my husband and I did this for a period of time too when we moved, is we just kind of dated a bunch of churches. And for a year, we went to church after church after church. And after every church service, we would have some kind of complaint or some kind of way that the church wasn't perfect. And we finally just had to grow up and say, you know what? There's not going to be a perfect church that is meant for serving me in every way that I think I need to be served. I need to plug into a gospel preaching church and serve others and serve the church, as you said. Um, and so I think that that's also something for people to consider. Even if you're going to a church every Sunday, you need to be plugged into a church and tithing to a church.
1: Yeah. And I would also say, you know, there's this sort of uh, stereotype or myth out in culture, you know, as we've seen, you know, stuff about church too, and all of that out there, like there's this pervasive myth that, you know, every church has this unhealthy aspect. And the truth is that there are unhealthy churches. There 100% are, and I don't want anyone to go to a church where there is some kind of abuse happening or there's no accountability, but there are far more healthy churches out there that aren't being talked about. Because the thing is that good stories don't get told because they're just, good things happening. They're just people there being obedient to God and loving the people that walk through their doors. And that's not a scandal. And so I would say just be wary of some of the things you hear. Like, I'm not saying those things aren't true. They certainly have happened. But understand that the news picks up on the negative and not the positive. And there's so much more light than there is darkness when it comes to the church.
0: Yeah. There are so many reasons to be plugged into a local church community, whether it's accountability or encouragement or... Um, You never know. Also, this is an aspect of the church that I've certainly seen recently in moments of crisis or acute loneliness or some kind of chaos where you find yourself reaching out for help and for support and for guidance and for wisdom. Like you have a whole pool of godly people to choose from whose job it is as members of your church to help you and to spur you on and to make sure that you're supported and taken care of. I don't know any other kind of community like that except for the local church.
1: Yeah, I I kind of look at it, I have this vision in my mind of, you know, the more people that we have surrounding us in our lives, it's almost like this, this huge safety net that just gets bigger and bigger. And it becomes this buffer and this encouragement and this comfort within this world, which is hard. Life is hard. And so the more people that we have around us, caring about us, encouraging us, especially, you know, in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit inside the church, like, that is only going to be good for us. And then the second part of that that I love about the church is is for my kids because the more um, you know trustworthy, honorable Christian men and women that are surrounding them, the better for them. They're going to grow up surrounded by that, having lots of people they can trust. Kids do better when they have more adults, loving adults around them that they can trust. And so my kids have been a huge um, motivator in how I think about this and considering that studies show uh, a lot of people kind of rethink what they're doing with their faith when they have kids because they are thinking, well, I want my kids to have faith. Um, This is this is the time to be thinking about that because people do make those decisions really before the age of 14, what they're going to end up believing for the rest of their lives. Quick pause to tell you guys
0: again about my Patriot Supply. So we don't know what the future holds, especially when it comes to the supply chain and if we're going to be able to get the food that we need. I mean, prices are insane. If you've seen the price of eggs, it's just crazy. So if things really hit the fan and we cannot get the food that we need, we want to make sure that our family is taken care of. My Patriot Supply offers a three-month emergency food kit. That means all of your nutritional needs for three months. You'll get. You'll want to get one kit for every member of your family, and hopefully you'll never have to use it. But but it is always better to be safe than sorry. You put it in your pantry or laundry room or whatever, and it's good for 30 years. And right now, if you go to preparewithally.com, you'll not only save $200, but you'll also get free shipping on your entire order. So preparewithally.com, you'll save $200 with your order. They're really good meals too. They taste good. Ali.com save $200, ali.com. One obstacle that I know some of my friends have in going to church is that um, they don't have a supportive husband. Uh, Their husband doesn't want to go to church. They do want to send their kids to church, but I mean, trying to get all of their kids dressed by themselves, take them to church, and then you've got the whole issue of like, I'm going to this new church. Do I send them to Sunday school? Is my my two-year-old going to sit still with me? There's a lot of that. Like, What encouragement or advice do you have for moms who are kind of doing this alone when it comes to trying to raise their kids in the church in a godly way?
1: Yeah. So I mean, whether you're talking about a mom whose husband won't go, or you're talking about a single mom, which a single single moms are like the highest demographic of women leaving or that don't go. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's an encouragement kind of built into my book because I talk about how my entire life. Um, my mom took us to church every week without my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always caveat to say I have a wonderful father, so it's nothing against him, but he just didn't go. And my mom just made it this priority to take us. And I really believe that so much of the foundation of my life was built on her commitment and decision to do that. I mean, it certainly led me to where I am today to write this book. And looking back, I can just see how that um, that habit, that practice of just going and faithfully being obedient to God by being at church um, made a huge impact in my life. But on the, on the other side of things, I mean, I think um, it's thinking of your kids. It's thinking about how important this is For them and what they're going to get out of it. I mean, I think that you should go for yourself as well. Um, but I think thinking about them is an extra motivator. And then lastly, I would just say that God created all of us Christians. We we each have a spiritual gift that is meant to serve the church. And as the Bible says, the body is not complete unless we are all there. And so, um, when you aren't in church, your gift is not being used, your, your, the body is not complete without you, you are missing out on the beautiful things that God does in the midst of his body. Um, and so there's so much to be missed when you don't go. And I really believe it's that whole priority thing. It's worth making this a priority, especially as women are saying, they want to enhance their faith, faith lives.
0: Yeah. And I just want to encourage those women too that. God is not impressed by like how quiet or still your kids are in church, or whether you are early or late, or whether your kids like keep their shirt tucked in the whole time. He is pleased by your obedience and your faithfulness, like even when it is difficult. And as you were saying, like your kids also benefit from that. My um my husband got me like a really sweet gift for Christmas. He got me this hymn book and it's really just a binder with all of these Southern Baptist hymns that I grew up singing and that I sing to my kids at night and I posted on Instagram that I remember the tunes or the tunes and all of the lyrics to all of these songs. And it's not because I've studied them as an adult, but it's because my mom every night would sing to me from this Baptist hymnal. And I did not realize it at the time when I was growing up that those words were sticking in my heart and mind and that they would come to mind. 30 years, you know, 20 years down the line. And that I would then from memory be singing them to my kids. And my mom was doing that because she was raised singing those Southern Baptist hymns. And she was doing that really just kind of out of habit so something that she probably thought or maybe she just didn't know would make an impact on me would really stick because i probably wasn't sitting still i probably wasn't paying attention there were probably nights that i said i don't want to sing those hymns that made an impact on me for the rest of my life and is now being passed down to my kids and i just want to encourage you moms especially those who are trying to do this by yourself You taking your kids to church, you sharing the gospel with your kids, you reading the Bible to your kids, you're singing those hymns to your kids or letting them listen to hymns on Spotify, whatever it is, even if that doesn't seem like it's making a difference right now because your kids aren't paying attention. And right after you told them about the fruit of the spirit, they slapped their sister or something like that. It is. It is. You never know how God is going to water and grow those seeds that you are faithfully planting now. And the local church can play a huge part in that, right?
1: Yeah, my kids are definitely the most rowdy at our church. It's they're just like known for, oh, it's the Sylvester kids. Well, my last name is Sylvester (laughs) with my husband, but my author name is Anderson. But anyway, they are just known as like, those are the kids. And I've even I even had my pastor call me one time and he said, hey, I just want to let you know. That we love your kids and they are not a disruption and they make other people feel welcome to bring their kids. And so I am, you know, definitely the kind of person that knows what it feels like when your kids are like making noises and all of that. And then also what you were saying, Allie, it's, you know, I've learned this so much. I have a seven year old and a four year old, and I take time to teach them theology. I take time to talk with them at home, and there is so much fighting that goes on. And Sometimes it feels like it's in vain, uh, but the next week, maybe one of them will say something that we talked about, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you were actually listening. Yes. And those things do matter. Um, I interviewed recently the Christian singer. Her name's Ann Wilson, and she has this song called Sunday Sermons. And it's all about how she went to church as a kid and she felt like it didn't matter. And she She walked away from God. But when she really became a Christian later in life, she looked back at all those Sundays that she went to church and she saw all those seeds that were planted begin to bloom and to grow. And so doing this for your kids is literally the most invaluable thing that you can do. It could have an eternal impact on their lives. And so I I just don't think there's anything more important. What can we do as women who are in church to make it easier
0: for the women, especially the single moms, but all kinds of women who have left the church to return? How can we get those obstacles out of the way and just make it more accessible?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the number one way people go to a new church is through a friend inviting them, which sounds so simple. But I think we neglect to do that sometimes because we feel like people will be annoyed, especially in this day and age. We feel like people might be even offended. But I think that's a good thing to keep in mind if that opportunity or the right time arises. Um, I think also when someone does take a step into church or even a church event, another way that a lot of people get to church is through community events that the church sponsors. And so being involved in community events is a really big thing big thing to do but I think just ensuring that when someone walks through that door that they are seen that they are heard that they are followed up with um, one of the reasons that we stuck with the church that we did we had been church dating like you said and after we left church the first time we went there I was like that was the most friendly church I've ever been to it takes intention but I think we have to really see people and and be real and be vulnerable I mean one of the things that I did, Last year was I spoke in front of my church about um you know my decision to quit drinking alcohol and how I had a, a drinking problem. I shared that with the whole church. And because of that I had people come to me later and say like wow, I had no idea. And I think that vulnerability is something that we can have more of so people can realize you can walk in the door with all of your crap and we want you to be here. Yeah. And we accept you as you are where you are and we just want to love you and bring you closer to God. Yeah. And, you know, I'm guilty of
0: just kind of letting people go by the wayside that maybe God intentionally put in my path. Like I'm thinking of women who have come through our Sunday school class. And of course, everyone's nice to them in the moment, but I never, you know, never really followed up. You kind of get busy, you kind of focus on your own things and, you You know, I look back sometimes with regret and I'm like, oh, that person, you know, doesn't come to our church anymore. And I wonder if we had just tried a little bit harder. And so it's not that we are responsible for every single person who comes to our church, but maybe there's one person. Maybe there's one Mm -hmm. person that you should text. Maybe there's one person that you should ask to go on a play date or one person that you should follow up with. Because we can all do that. We don't have the capacity to reach out to every single person and to follow up with everyone, but we all have the capacity to help one person. So maybe that's maybe that's a goal that that we can all have in the local church. Is there one person that we saw that was alone or new or stressed that we can follow up with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one one thing that has really stood out to me and I need to do a better job of myself is like being a Christian means being inconvenienced. It means mm. you have to have space in your life for the moments that God creates, those divine moments. And if we're so busy, that we don't even have time to notice them or don't have time to participate in those divine moments, we're missing out on the whole big story. We're Mm -hmm. missing out on the whole reason we're here. And so I would say make that space in your life to be inconvenienced. And it doesn't have to feel like an inconvenience, but just like if you're so busy that you can't reach out to someone, maybe something needs to be eliminated. We have to be thinking intentionally about how we're shaping and forming our lives.
0: All right, last sponsor for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. So this means if you're with the big three and you like the service, but you don't like their values, you don't like them sending your money to causes that you don't believe in, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the other three major carriers for free. So there's really no risk here. This is just another company that you can support that supports you in all of your values. Their 100% US-based customer service team makes switching easy. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie, or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. My last question is you talk about That the church needs women. And I know you mentioned a few minutes ago that when any individual is not going to a church, any Christian is not going to a church, the church is missing out on the spiritual gifts that God has purposely given that person. What do women specifically contribute to the church that is so necessary and could be missing if women are not attending?
1: Yeah, well, I think women, like many times, not, not in all circumstances, but I, th- I do think God has given women certain spiritual gifts, oftentimes that he doesn't give men. And, you know, men, God sees men and women as equal, of course. And so when women are not represented there in his church, it is not complete. And so those unique things that he is putting in them, and it could, you know, it's a, it's a whole variety of things, whether that you know, be at teaching or whether it be hospitality or whatever that gift is, we need each and every person, including women. And I also think that, um, I'd like to see the perspective of women just, you know, more input in what the church is doing, not because, not, not, not a, you know, conversation about women pastors. I'm not going there in this book by any means. Um, but just to say getting, getting more women's perspective on what the church is doing on various programs and all of that, because, Actually, more women than men go to church right now. And so um, it's just kind of interesting to see those numbers. But I just think there's so much we're missing when people are leaving, when women are leaving specifically, we're missing that component of the church. Um, and I just lost my train of thought, but that's, yeah, that's it. Well, it'd be
0: interesting to be interesting also. And maybe someone has written a book specifically on why men. Don't attend church because, you know, my wheels are turning. There's, I think, a whole host of of reasons for that. But I appreciate you addressing women. Women and men are equal in dignity, but different when it comes to the things that we bring to the table. And so the nurturing and the nourishing and the beautifying that women are so innately good at, um, of course, that contributes to the health and the well-being of the church, in a way that it wouldn't if it were only men. And of course, the opposite is true to the the building and the initiating and the conquering and the fighting and all the things that come so innately to men are also necessary for the health of the church. So thank you so much for writing this book. It's called Reason to Return. You can get it, I'm guessing, wherever books are sold, correct? Yep. Okay, awesome. And then where can they find you if they want to follow you?
1: Yeah, uh, my name is spelled E-R-I-C-K-A-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, as you can see on the screen. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, EricaAnderson.com, all the things. Uh, my name, you should find me if you Google it. And I would love to hear from you and also get you that How to Find a New Church 101 course on my website um, if you purchase the book. Yeah, and I will include in the description of this episode, I, t- I share this link.
0: Now, it's only for Baptist churches, and I know there are a lot of awesome, like, you know, Presbyterians, et cetera, out there listening too. But founders.org slash church dash search. I will put that in the description of this episode. I've, I actually just had a friend text me yesterday and said that she found her, Bible believing gospel preaching church through that link and that it's been so formative and game changing for her family. And that of course is the power of the local church. It can be game changing for your family. So thank you so much, Erica. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you, Allie.